Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, it's Believe NFL Draft Analyst Joe DeLeon. We talk about current draft priorities for New England, whether or not free agency may have altered the Patriots draft needs when it comes to draft weekend, where my guy Tank Dell is slated to land, and who Joe thinks is going to go number one overall. All that and much more, up now on the Patriots Report. Patriots were able to get Riley Reef, Calvin Anderson, but it feels like they still might make a move toward an offensive tackle within those top 50 picks. They have 14 and 46. You know and I know they move around an awful lot. But is there a guy in the top 50 who might be a good fit for New England at the offensive tackle position? Yeah, I think that this year especially, we've got a lot of really nice tackle talent in this draft class and I I know that the names that keep getting brought up and the ones that have gotten the most run are the guys that are going are going to go in the top 10 in Paris Johnson from Ohio State Peter Skronsky from Northwestern but I think that there are three very talented players that are going to fit in that grouping of uh you know that 15 to 25 to 30 range and those three guys that could fit with the New England Patriots, one, Broderick Jones from Georgia, who's a tall, long athlete, has a really nice wide base, younger player who I think needs a little bit of development. Uh, in addition to that, Darnell Wright, who is a right tackle in his time at Tennessee, big, strong, powerful guy. Some people think he's a guard. I think that he's primarily going to play some right tackle in the NFL, but he's a great, aggressive run blocker, which I think fits the description and the mentality of what Bill Belichick has looked for in offensive linemen. I mean, look at Trent Brown, how massive he was now. Darno Wright's not that, not that big, but he still kind of fits that power profile, a little bit top heavy, strong, powerful guy. Uh, and then in addition to that, another name that I think has been brought up a ton is Dewan Jones, who's from Ohio state, who talking about Trent Brown and being massive. Dewan Jones is a freakish athlete at his size at around 360 pounds, I think was what he was listed at, at six foot eight. He is a massive hulking human being. But outside of them, there are some other players to pay attention to. I think Jalen Duncan from Maryland mm-hmm. is an underrated player somewhere on day two, he could go. And then Mash- Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse as well are, are two guys in the second round who could be options for the New England Patriots, maybe if they don't select somebody in the first round. Did the Patriots do anything in the first week of free agency that made you change your theory as to how they might go about the first couple of rounds of the draft? And specifically, I'm thinking, maybe we're on the same wavelength here, the Mike Isicki edition. That, yep. they, that they go after a tight end, and now you look at the depth chart, and they have Gesicki and Hunter Henry, and maybe the need for a tight end at 14 or 46 isn't what it was pre-free agency. I think the biggest one definitely is is tight end because they got rid of Jonu Smith. 
And my immediate thought, and I even tweeted it, was, oh, they're opening some room. They're adding a roster spot with the possibility of this tight end class being really talented and them wanting to attack it. And I, you almost would think that Bill Belichick and the way that he has drafted and built his rosters, that he's done it twice now, where he's drafted two tight ends in multiple draft classes, that he might see this year's talented tight end class, a historic tight end year, and he might say to himself, I can go and get a, a Dalton Kincaid in round two or a Luke Musgrave and then come back around and get a Sam Laporta a little bit later on. But instead, they go and get Kaseki. And I think that the way that that tight end room is structured, you've got your your well-rounded tight end, and then you've got Kaseki, who a little bit more of a deep threat uh, and more of a linear player. I, I don't think that they're probably going to attack that position until maybe later on, uh, somewhere on day three. I think that them not being aggressive about really going after many receivers and know that they signed Juju Smith-Schuster, I feel as though that that's a bit of an indicator that they wanted to approach this in free agency and through trades and then maybe go after some receivers based on what's available during the draft. And I think it's a little bit of a backwards philosophy, admittedly, because the receiver talent this year isn't that great. But I think those are probably my main takeaways based on how they've uh, they've gone about free agency. We've seen the Patriots in past years do this an awful lot, and you just kind of referenced it. They've double-dipped at a position. I can remember years where they've drafted two running backs, you know, third and fourth round. They've drafted, you know, multiple wide receivers. They've drafted multiple tight ends. Is there a position this year that you think, given what you know, what you've seen on the board and the Patriots' needs, is there a chance that they could double-dip at a position this time around? Yeah, I think that if they do double-dip, it'll probably be at edge simply from the fact that not only is this a top heavy edge class and there's a lot of big name players that are going to go in the top 10. I see so much depth. I see so much talent on day two on day three that knowing Bill Belichick and how he likes to approach that edge position where think about the history of the Patriots. They've never really had like a, a really like premier premier guy that that's been a high draft pick. It's been a lot of guys who, you know, maybe they acquired them through free agency or trades, but more often than not, they have a number of players who have been third, fourth round picks who have maybe been rotational and then developed into very good pass rushers. And I think that this this draft class fits that perfectly. It fits that capability for getting somebody maybe like a Keon White in the second round and then coming back around in the fourth or fifth round and getting a Nick Hampton from Appalachian State. I think there's just a lot of really good options at edge. There's going to be a lot of players in my eyes at that position group that could be drafted on day three that turn out to be for any team, a highly impactful rotational player. Is there a guy out there right now who strikes you as a Patriots type, who is an under the radar mid round prospect who maybe we're not necessarily talking about right now, but a guy who screams new England Patriot prospect, you know, a uh, uh, you know, the, a long snapper, uh, you know, you know, we know he's added some special teamers <laughs> over the years, but is there a guy that you can pinpoint and say, yeah, this guy looks like he could fit in Foxborough. I don't believe that there's any highly sought after long snappers this year. Like we had with, uh, with Joe Cardona back in the day. I remember when I was in high school, how big of a deal Joe Cardona was. I will say that much, but one guy who immediately popped in my head. And I, I know that there's different spots on the Patriots often offensive line that need to be addressed. And I think that 
this guy can fit in multiple roles and kind of fits the description that we've assimilated with offensive linemen for the Patriots. They just did it last year in the first round when they drafted uh, Cole Strange, a guy who many people didn't think was going to be a first-round pick, small school player from Chattanooga. I think Cody Mock from North Dakota State fits with what we know that Bill Belichick approaches things with the offensive line. Somewhere on day two for me is realistically where he's going to go. I think he projects best at guard. I think he can play some center, but he spent his whole career playing tackle and he's got the athletic traits being a former tight end Mm -hmm. to play tackle. So he's got the athletic background of playing multiple positions, which we know Bill kind of loves, but at the same time, highly productive, really good player from a small program. I think always fits that, uh, that Bill Belichick approach. All right. I'm a tank Dell enthusiast. I gotta, I'm going to be honest. He's my guy this year. He is my draft binky. He is the guy who I want the Patriots to take, not at 14, but maybe at 46. Maybe he's a top 50 guy. I don't know. Tell me where you project him going at this point, and then give me one reason why the Patriots should take him and one reason why the Patriots shouldn't take him. So admittedly, Chris, not to not to speak too negatively on, on Tank Dell, I'm not as high, I think, as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I understand it because he was really productive. Oftentimes, I think we overthink a lot of positions, especially receiver, where if you're taking somebody like Tank Dell, who was statistically one of the best college receivers last year, if you're not taking him in the first round, you take a flyer on him somewhere on day two, day three, those guys that are productive in college, they don't always translate. But if you're not taking a high pick, it's worth the shot to see what they can do. I'm a little wary on his weight. Very rarely do guys at that like 160, 170 profile succeed. We do have outliers. Devonta Smith was definitely an outlier. I think he needs to add a little bit more weight. He's not as much of a burner as we thought he was going to be, but I think realistically he's going to get drafted higher than I feel he should be, which is somewhere in the middle to end of day two. I personally would take him at the top of day three in the fourth round, but uh, somewhere in that range is realistic for a guy like Tank Dell. I I think he's got a possibility to succeed, but anywhere inside of that first round conversation, which I've seen some people try to push him in that top five receiver conversation is a little bit, a little bit too spicy for me. Could he be a running back or are we trying to bang a square peg into a round hole here? No, I think realistically his, his impact is going to be at, is going to be at receiver, especially with the weight issue. If he was the only receiver that like, I always hold on to as somebody who I knew was probably better off at running back was Ty Montgomery because mm-hmm. he was built like a running back. He was really thick. I think he was like two fifteen when he was coming out of Stanford. So for him to make that transition, he would need to have that weight. I think that just because how, how thin Tank Dell is, it's not, that, that wouldn't work. And this is just me keeping my fingers crossed for him. But, but there, you know, Tom Montgomery worked for a couple of games in New England. Um, you know, the idea of Cordero Patterson was in New England. But again, like you said, yeah. both of those are bigger guys. My thought is if they do see him as a running back, look, and again, this is, you know, there's 8 million things down the road and we're on like number five when you talk about Tank Dell in New England. <laughs> the, the idea of him basically taking a redshirt year, which is something that Bill does. I mean, you know, Bill does with a lot of guys where it's like, look, put 15 pounds on, learn how to play a little bit bigger, come back in 2024. You're not going to spend a second round pick on a guy like that. But, we, you know, if it's a developmental third day guy, maybe the possibility right. is there. Yeah, and I think too with, with Tank Dell, uh, he's somebody who could just turn into being like a really good offensive weapon. His long speed at the combine, I think it was slower than what everyone thought. I think he was like a four or five guy was the number off the top of my head. 
but he's a really quick player. Like he's a quicker than fast type of a player. And that could fit well as like, you're talking about with Cordero Patterson, Ty Montgomery type mold, where you might not line them up in the I formation to take a handoff, but he could get some jet sweeps. You could try to scheme him some opportunities. He does feel like a new England Patriot. I will say that much. All right. The Patriots are a team that almost always, and this is going back 20 plus years, even with Brady in the building, they, they come out of it every spring with a quarterback, whether it's a backup street free agent, developmental type. Now with them cutting loose, Brian Hoyer, there could be a chance for them to add another prospect. I'm not inclined to say that they're going to you know, pull the trigger before day three, but is there a guy there who is a lower round guy, an undrafted free agent, someone who might have a shot to fit in Foxborough as a developmental quarterback. Yeah. To fit that description, I, I think that there's some similarities that can be made about this guy, Jake Hayner from Fresno state, who was a darling of the senior bowl was the best quarterback at the senior bowl amongst a pretty underwhelming group. I think he's just a super steady guy. I think he's very consistent. I think physically he's not somebody who is going to wow you. He's not Will Levis. He's not Anthony Richardson. He's not going to sling it. 70 yards through the air like it's nothing like he's throwing a a, a, a baseball uh, to that point. But I think that Jake Hayner, you want a steady guy if you're bringing him in to be a, a competition for the backup spot or the third guy on the roster, maybe a practice squad player. I think Hayner has a lot of those intangible traits, too, that we tend to see with guys that are selected by uh, by Bill Belichick as a, as a quarterback. But we also do see. Um, like Danny Etling is the guy who I'm thinking of off the top of my head who ended up being a receiver, doesn't stick around. I'd maybe pay attention to Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. I think Bill has had this tendency to, if he's going to keep a third quarterback, have somebody who can do multiple things. Dorian Thompson Robinson is a fantastic athlete. He's an underrated quarterback. I think somewhere at the end of day three is realistically where he's going to get selected. But uh, I think both those guys could could fit from different molds for the position like an Edelman type just a, a guy who yeah. in, in the, you yeah. know, the, the, the phone call and look that's a long it's a you know pretty serious comparison to make I know but that's where the phone call goes to <laughs> and, and Bill is like look we don't know what we're going to do with you but you're you're a good football player we'll find a spot for you you know whether it's Edelman Slater he, he has an affinity for those guys and you know you might have one there at UCLA I, I really thought that that was going to happen with Derek King when he was brought onto the roster and uh, I got the chance to work with Derek for a little bit. Cause he was doing a podcast through believe. And I, I really thought that that was going to work out. Cause like, that's perfect. But his, his injury history, I think prevented him from doing that. But uh, that's uh, interesting to consider Edelman in this conversation, because again, that's, that's what Bill's done. If he wants mm-hmm. to bring in a third guy, he's also not been afraid to bring in an athlete and see if he can play quarterback or maybe try and get him to play another position, get him to play wide receiver. Very specific question. Very yes. odd, uh, you know, admittedly here, but very specific. With the Patriots getting rid of their punter, Jake Bailey, and given Belichick's love of lefty punters, tell me the number one draft-eligible left-footed punter out there this year. I, I think the the one to keep on the radar the most, and I, I'm really pushing this narrative because of where what school he went to, Adam Korosek from Rutgers is, is a name to pay attention to. And we... We know the history of of Bill drafting Rutgers players and his connection Checking to all the Rutgers boxes. Program. Left-footed punter who goes to Rutgers. Right. I I believe he's left-footed, but the one thing I do know, um, I, I have 
trained and worked with a guy who's now the current long snapper at Rhode Island. And he previously transferred from Rutgers. And I've asked him a million questions about Corsac. And I feel like Corsac, from what I've heard about him, could fit and would be the perfect fit for, for what Bill looks for in his punters. I don't know if he gets drafted, but we know that Bill doesn't like to wait for specialists and he just likes to go and get his guy in the seventh or sixth round. Uh, but maybe, maybe Corsac ends up being that guy who, again, coming from New Jersey, coming from Rutgers, could, uh, could fit that that needed punter. The only the only other one is if he played high school lacrosse. <laughs> right? If he played, if he did, 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 but this is a guy. I think he's certain... Australian, so I don't know if there's a lot of lacrosse going on. And <laughs> we'll see. We'll we'll see. We'll look more into his background. League wide now. Give me your one rock solid draft take, and it could be for any team that you absolutely believe in. That you absolutely believe has to happen on draft weekend. Yeah, I I really believe that and this is such a quarterback heavy focus in this draft i really really believe the perfect fit for anthony richardson and i i I pedal his name on every opportunity that i get to because i i love him as a prospect he's got so much talent it's not been actualized yet because he's so raw he's so inexperienced if somebody can tap into it i really think that it's shane steichen with the indianapolis colts they need to move up to three so that they don't miss out on him A lot of people forget, and I know that Jalen Hurts played a million more games than Anthony Richardson did, but Jalen Hurts had accuracy and consistency issues coming into the NFL out of Oklahoma. And I think that if anyone is going to reel in Anthony Richardson, it could be him, especially because of his reliance on Jalen Hurts' strength and power as a runner and willingness to be a part of an extension of the running game. I think you get that from Anthony Richardson early on. You can rely on his his legs heavily and then let him naturally progress to becoming a very talented and potentially unstoppable quarterback. I just think the ceiling's so high. That, to me, is probably the best situation and one that I'm going to be the monitoring possibly the closest. That, that feels like a situation specific to Anthony Richardson where he needs to have a quarterback-friendly yes. coach. You cannot have a dogmatic approach, an old school coach there trying to again bang a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. He 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 again is a guy who can do some absolutely phenomenal things physically. You have to be able to tap into that if you're the coach. You can't just approach him and say, look, you're going to do things my way. You have to meet him halfway. Right. You're not going to ask him to do a seven-step drop and and to hang in the pocket. You want him to be on the run. You want him to move. And like I, I think of the best throws that happen in the Super Bowl that Jalen Hurts made, a number of them were just him rolling out, moving, creating space for himself, and then connecting on a a simple uh, 10 to 15-yard route, nothing crazy. If he can do those things and he can progress, I think he's going to succeed, and that's probably going to be the best uh, situation, especially considering the offensive line, some of the weapons that are there. I'm pushing heavy for that, and I'm hoping that he ends up in Indianapolis. Last question for me. Where where does Carolina go if they stick at number one? I think it's going to be... Uh, CJ Stroud I think that that video of Josh McCown who's now the quarterback coach uh, uh, for Carolina the one that he did with with underdog fantasy of him just getting so excited over CJ Stroud is, is very telling of his thoughts on him as a prospect like that's the most evidence that I think we need I think that that makes the most sense I just it seems as though Bryce's size is working against him a little bit here. Um, ultimately, their success, I think that they can be the most successful with C.J. Stroud as that as that quarterback. Joe, you got another mock coming up? 
Yeah, we should be dropping one soon. Uh, I think Ryan, Ryan and I are going to be doing one soon on the pod. So uh, stay tuned for that. And and everyone gets mad over mock drafts. I'm expecting it, but it's it's always fun for me to project and just uh, to just have some fun with it. I mean, we we, need, we haven't done one with trades yet, so I think that's what's going to be coming up soon at the end of the month. Tell people where they can follow you on social media as well as read and hear your stuff. Uh, you can follow me at Joe DeLeon, and then you can check out the Believe YouTube channel where all of our episodes are posted uh, at Believe Network on YouTube and also on Twitter. And then uh, the NFL Draft Prospects podcast is where you can catch the a uh, full show that I do with Ryan Roberts where we uh, break down NFL draft prospects and we're getting everybody ready with our position rankings right now ahead of the 2023 NFL draft. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. And let's do this again post-draft so we can just, we can dissect every one of the left-footed punters. that, uh, that <laughs> I expect to, that we spend a nice 15, 20 minutes breaking out whoever they draft. <laughs> love it. Love it. Take care, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Two things. First of all, make sure to visit the Believe shop to get all your Patriots Report gear. That can be found at shop.believe.com. And second, one more reminder that this episode of the Patriots Report has been brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket, contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.